Welcome to a special good podcast today on the papers by the Clarity IBD team, published in GUT to date. The papers include anti-SARS COVID-2 antibody responses are attenuated in patients with IBD treated with infliximab, which is published in paper copy in GUT in May 2021. And also the recently accepted paper Infliximab is associated with attenuated immunogenicity to the Pfizer-BioNTech and Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccines. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of GUT and Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I'm delighted to extend a very warm welcome to both my friends and colleagues, Dr. Tarek Ahmad, and Dr. Nick Kennedy from the Department of Gastroenterology, Royal Devon and Exeter NHS Foundation Trust, Exeter, Devon, United Kingdom. Dr. Kennedy and Dr. Ahmed are the joint first and joint last authors on these excellent and hugely important papers, which I'm also very proud to say I'm co-author on. Nick, Tarek, I hope you don't mind me being more informal. Thanks so much for joining me today to do this podcast especially at this difficult time in the world, and congratulations once again on these excellent papers. Firstly, starting with the first paper, the, the one related to the anti-COVID antibody responses being attenuated in patients with IBD treated with infliximab. Could I ask you to explain the background to this study and why researching this area is so important? Thanks, Phil. The Clarity IBD study was set up back in September 2020 to investigate the impact of biologic and immunomodulatory therapy on the risks of SARS-CoV-2 infection and subsequent immunity, whether this is, uh, uh, follows infection or vaccination. Like other immune-mediated inflammatory disorders, patients with IBD frequently require treatment with immunomodulators and or monoclonal antibodies, of which as you know, anti-TNF is the most frequently used. However, we've known for a number of years that anti-TNF drugs increase the risk of serious infection, most notably with respiratory pathogens, and also impair protective immunity uh, following pneumococcal, influenza, and uh, viral hepatitis vaccinations. At the beginning of the pandemic, there were understandable concerns for patients treated with these drugs, and many were advised uh, to shield to protect themselves. So we thought this was an important topic to uh, address. And our hypothesis was that SARS-CoV-2 antibody responses would be impaired uh, following infection in patients with IBD treated with infliximab, but not uh, bevelizumab. And this, uh, we needed to leverage the support of a large number of hospitals across the UK who had previously worked with us on our other studies. We also couldn't have done this work without the support of the NIHR, um, who provided the nursing support to deliver this ambitious project uh, across the UK. And finally, um, we, we're fortunate in Exeter to have the support of the Academic Department of Blood Sciences, uh, which allowed us uh, to uh, use their serology testing facilities to deliver this. Importantly, it was crucial that we needed to turn around results as fast as possible. And so we're very pleased to have both of these papers published in GUTS 
in a very short period of time. Thank you. That's very clear, Tarek. Um, so, Nick, what are the findings of this initial study? So we included just under 7,000 patients in the first study, about two-thirds of whom were on infliximab and a third on vedalizumab. We were able to access uh, data from partners such as Public Health England, Wales and Scotland, and we were able to show that the uh, PCR-positive SARS-CoV-2 infections, as well as symptomatic infections, uh, were comparable between the infliximab-treated and vedalizumab-treated patients with IBD. However, uh, we observed significantly higher seroprevalence in patients treated with vedalizumab than we saw in patients treated with infliximab. And so this suggests that rather than being a different infection, it relates to the immune response to the virus. On top of the choice of biologic, we saw an additive effect of immunomodulators, and we were able to do a multivariate analysis where we controlled for age, ethnicity, income deprivation score, region, comorbidity, diagnosis, and steroid use. If we restrict the analysis to participants who had a prior confirmed PCR-positive SARS-CoV-2 infection, we also saw a significantly higher semi-quantitative antibody magnitude in those treated with vedalizumab compared to infliximab, suggesting as well as uh, having more patients below a threshold, uh, that the patients on infliximab tended to have lower antibody uh, levels. Thank you, Nick. So that's very clear again. Essentially, what, what are the potential implications of this study? And how did they um, frame your, your thoughts and ideas leading to your, your next paper related to infliximab being associated with attenuated immunogenicity to the Pfizer-BioNTech and Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccines? Um, Tariq, could, could you answer that? Phil, thank you. Yes, as you've just heard from Nick, uh, it was reassuring that at least at baseline, uh, there was no difference between the proportions of infliximab-treated and vedalizumab-treated patients who reported either symptoms or um, PCR-confirmed infections. However, the reduced seroconversion rates after infection um, do raise the possibility that um, patients, certainly without vaccination, may be at increased risk of having a recurrent or a second COVID-19 infection. There are also theoretical concerns that um, in the presence of impaired antibody responses, uh, patients on these drugs uh, may have chronic carriage of SARS-CoV-2. I would add, though, that there is um, no data in the IBD population on these drugs to support this um, currently. But I guess the most important question that the first paper raises is, will we see uh, similar attenuated antibody responses following vaccination? And of course, this um, leads nicely on to the second paper. Thank you, um, Tarek. That's very clear again. So um, what are, what are the, the, the crucial findings from this study, um, Nick? So in our second paper, we've looked at the response to vaccines measured uh, through serology again. Um, and we've got anti-spike antibody concentrations in almost 1,300 clarity participants, which were taken between three and 10 weeks after their first dose of vaccine. And we excluded from this analysis anyone who had had two doses of vaccine at that point. Uh, like with the first paper, uh, we observed lower antibody concentrations uh, in those on infliximab than we saw with adalimumab. And in fact, in the multivariable model, we saw a reduction by about a, about a factor of three uh, on either vaccine in patients on infliximab compared to those on vedalizumab. We also saw lower antibody concentrations associated with immunomodulators, um, with participants aged 60 or over, with current smoking, and to a lesser degree with Crohn's disease. 
Uh, interestingly, the antibody response was higher in participants of non-white ethnicity when compared to uh, white ethnicity. And we saw these associations with both the Pfizer and the Oxford vaccines. We were able to use a larger number of participants in Clarity, uh, taking a, a slightly looser uh, time window from vaccination to look at the kinetics over time. And we uh, have plotted this in one of the figures in the paper, and we see separation between the infliximab and vedolizumab treated patients at around the three week mark, uh, where the vedolizumab patients continue to go up in their antibody concentration, whereas infliximab ones uh, stay about the same, or in the case of one of the vaccines, we actually start to see a bit of a decline beyond that point. Reassuringly, among participants who had two doses of vaccine or had had prior infection with SARS-CoV-2 and then a single dose of vaccine, we saw much higher antibody concentrations and the majority of participants with either infliximab treatment or vedolizumab treatment achieved seropositivity uh, following two exposures to the antigen. And I think this is a reassuring message for our participants and for our patients with IBD around the country and the world who must be concerned about the uh, impact of their medications on the uh, vaccine effect. Thank you, Nick. Um, again, extremely clear, and they, they seem like really important findings. So what are the potential implications of this study? And, and really, as Nick has alluded to, what, what should we be advising patients who may be concerned by the findings of this study? Additionally, what should governments and vaccination advisory groups be asked to potentially consider in view of these results? Terry, could, could you answer those questions? Uh, Thank you, Phil, yes. Um, Well, Nick has outlined that in this study, we observed poor antibody responses to a single dose of vaccine. This potentially exposes these patients to an increased risk uh, of SARS-CoV-2 following just a single vaccination. Of course, um, there are other elements of the immune system that also uh, provide uh, protection. So it's not, we're not just reliant on antibody responses, in particular, um, the T-cell response also uh, is likely to offer uh, protection. This is the focus of further work from the study. However, um, we would advise that until patients who are taking these drugs receive a second dose of vaccine, they should consider that they're not protected um, from infection and therefore continue to practice um, appropriate physical distancing and shielding if, if appropriate. Of course, Uh, This is general advice that applies to the whole population, Um, but um, patients in this group on immunomodulators uh, and uh, infliximab should uh, take these precautions particularly seriously. As Nick has already said, um, um, reassuringly from our data, we've seen that uh, following two exposures, to uh, the virus, either an infection and a a single vaccination or two doses of vaccine, seroconversion rates improve uh, considerably. Now that's obviously uh, reassuring to patients, but I think it also uh, highlights that these patients should be prioritized for uh, an optimally timed second dose. So instead of extending the interval uh, between the first and second dose to 12 weeks, which is Uh, being the policy in the UK, these patients uh, should be prioritised. Finally, I think it's also important to note that even after two antigen exposures, so um, one infection, one vaccination or two vaccinations, there's a small proportion of patients who still fail to mount uh, an antibody response. How can we identify these patients uh, who will remain at risk? Uh, uh, I think this needs further work. 
but potentially um, antibody testing and adapted vaccine schedules, such as uh, additional vaccines, booster doses, should be considered uh, for these potentially at-risk patients. Thank you, Tarek. Again, extremely clear and really important. This is hugely impressive work over such a short period of time. What is next for Clarity IBD in terms of research? Um, where, where are you taking it next, Tarek? Well, there's still a lot to do, Phil. Um, we plan to continue following this cohort of 7,000 patients for a total of 40 weeks. Obviously, there are a number of important questions. The first is, what are the immunogenicity or the antibody rates that we observe following two doses of vaccination? And um, this is obviously going to be important in our, uh, our second paper that we just published in GUT. Only a small proportion of patients had had two vaccines. So we want to know in a much bigger number of patients uh, what the antibody rates are. We're looking at the moment, uh, together with Nick Powell at Imperial, at T-cell responses uh, to infection and vaccination, uh, and that, that work is currently underway. We're interested in the durability uh, of the antibody response. Uh, are we going to see uh, a faster decay in antibodies in patients treated with infliximab compared to our comparative group, patients treated with vedolizumab? Importantly, we also want to look at overall effectiveness. It's all well and good showing impaired antibody responses, but does this translate uh, to increased infections for patients on these drugs? And traditionally, what one's needed a very large uh, sample size to try and demonstrate this, but we're planning to use serological outcomes to define effectiveness. And with 7,000 patients, uh, we may be able to, to, to do this. Um, Next on the list is, um, I mentioned earlier that um, there are concerns that um, these drugs may lead to persistent nasopharyngeal carriage of the virus and potentially evolution of new variants uh, in patients on these drugs. This is something that we would like to explore uh, in this cohort. And finally, uh, we're, we're all too aware uh, that the lockdown has had uh, very significant effects on uh, patients treated with these drugs who've been advised to shield. It's had impacts on all aspects of their lives. And as part of this study, we've also collected uh, data on anxiety and depression. Uh, and um, in the next few months, we plan to look at this to observe the impact on how uh, the lockdown has impacted our patients and, and whether vaccination has improved levels of anxiety and depression. Thank you, Tarek. Again, superb work. You should be very proud. Nick, what are the potential future research priorities based upon these results, both in the IBD and medical communities at large? Thanks, uh, Phil. Uh, I think uh, Clarity has given us a clear idea of what the differences are between uh, two of the most commonly used biologic medicines in inflammatory bowel disease, so between infliximab and adalizumab. We think it's likely that the observations we've seen from infliximab will extend to other anti-TNFs and to anti-TNF drugs being used in other conditions, uh, but it would be good to confirm that. Um, it would also be good to see how this uh, impacts the use of other uh, targeted uh, biologic and other therapies like uh, JAK inhibitors uh, to see whether we see uh, a similar impact or, or a lesser one uh, with those classes of medication. 
There are other vaccines, um, not so much in the UK, but in other countries. And there's the single dose J&J vaccine. It would be useful to know uh, what this looks like if you're only going to have one dose of vaccine from that. Uh, one imagines it. We will see similar pictures with the other two dose vaccines. But again, it would be nice ultimately to see it with um, other vaccines as well. I think for vaccine effectiveness, I think Clarity is in a good place, uh, given our large um, patient population, to um, answer the question around vaccine effectiveness, uh, as Tarek's already alluded to. But I also think there are opportunities using uh, population scale resources like Open Safely to look at vaccine effectiveness in terms of COVID-19 outcomes. And uh, this, again, will allow us to explore it across a, a range of uh, immune-mediated diseases and medications. I think it will be um, important to see what happens with the new variants of uh, SARS-CoV-2 that have uh, reached the UK and, and are obviously uh, common in um, some of the parts of the world as well, uh, and see whether the the um, vaccine effectiveness story looks any different if we do see ri a rise in the uh, uh, rate of new variants as well. I think in, in broader terms, it's important we uh, continue to look at the effect the pandemic has had on IBD treatment as a whole. Um, and finally, I think it's important we look at the effect that the guidance we gave uh, last year to uh, patients in the UK with IBD had on their behaviour with respect to shielding and COVID-19 outcomes. And uh, I'm involved in a project with the IBD registry uh, looking, uh, looking at this in among uh, part of the cohort who used our IBD risk tool. Uh, so I think there are lots of important questions we still need to answer around COVID-19 and inflammatory bowel disease. Thank you. Again, a very clear and, and clearly lots of work to do, but um, all fantastic stuff today. Nick, Tarek, um, Drs. Kennedy and Ahmad, thank you both again for doing this podcast today. Congratulations again to you, um, but also to your teams and your joint first and senior authors on your fantastic papers being published in GUT. But also thank you for all your amazing collaborative work for patients and within the IBD community. Thank you to your team and to the co-authors and to all that have contributed in some way to these papers and ongoing work. I know Professor um, El Omar is delighted that you've chosen to publish these papers in GUT. I am also personally thrilled to be a small part of it, both as a, a researcher, a PI um, for my team and colleagues in Liverpool, but also as a patient with Crohn's disease. This, this is really important work. I know that many of our collaborators and co-authors feel the same. I know that the British Society of Gastroenterology is very proud of you and your efforts for the UK gastroenterology community. And I'm sure the NIHR and your sponsors and supporters all feel the same. Thank you again. For our listeners, please see the full acknowledgement statement by the Clarity IBT team below. And also please see the links to the open access papers below this podcast so that you can read them at your leisure later. Do join us in the future for more good podcasts and thank you for listening today. Mm -hmm.